Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. Yes, we are finally back. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are talking about parish boundaries. So let's get started. Hey, Lindsay, it is good to be back. It's been a while. We had uh, had quite a, a bit of a hiatus there where uh, we've had some chance to be away and, and to, to do some other things. But it is it's good to be back and just to be able to talk about, you know, some of the things that a lot of times people either have only heard about and, and really don't, you know, haven't had a connection to it. Or I suspect even a lot of things when you think about parish boundaries, um, people even haven't even heard about because we haven't really dealt with the issue of parish boundaries until, oh gosh, it's before the 1980s, where we really started to talk, uh, where they really were important, you might say, where um, parishes actually, uh, actually, you know, paid attention to them and people were required to go, whether it's for school or sacraments, uh, people were required to... um, you know, to follow the parish boundaries or, you know, the street or the avenue or or what boundary it might have been for some. It might have been a freeway. It might have been a river. It might have been uh, a particular avenue or section of land. Uh, but we just didn't talk about it much. Uh, although sometimes you will hear people say, well, you know, I wasn't allowed to go to grade school here because we lived on the other side of the street. And mm-hmm. they were that strict. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, about uh, being on the other side of the street. Uh, it's the other side of the street. And so it's it's not something that has really uh, been paid attention to. But there are a number of pieces, you might say, that uh, really started to change that. Uh, and, and part of that is as people started to move more and more to the suburbs, that was one thing, uh, where you had suburban churches and they, you might have had one church where now there are three or four. You may have had one church, and so it really wasn't important. It wasn't thought about. It wasn't really talked about as much. Also, is that people's loyalty, you know, as, as they had grown up in a church, let's say in Milwaukee or or maybe, you know, in downtown West Bend, where we are right now, um, is that uh, people had a, had a real loyalty there. And so they would pass maybe two or three churches, you know, living in Kewaskum, living in Hartford, living in someplace else, you know, and you could use the same thing with, with the area, let's say Milwaukee or any number of cities, is that uh, because of the loyalties, people would go back to that church because that's where they grew up. That's where they got married. That's where they had weddings. That's where they had baptisms. That's where they had confirmation. That's where people and their families were buried from. And they would go back to these churches and and not necessarily go to the local church. Uh, So it's it's, uh, boundaries really haven't been used or talked much about since the, like I said, the 1980s. Yeah, but I was curious about them because I've heard about them or people call in and say something about it's in my boundary or I went there because it was in my boundaries. So I've always just kind of wondered what the history of that was. Well, it had a lot to do, when you look at the history of the church, uh, usually what it was is that when you think about the, the, the beginnings of the church is that you know, you looked at your cities and, 
you know, those were pretty close-knit, and so there might have been one church, uh, maybe two, you know, sometimes because of ethnic differences, and we still deal with some of that, uh, maybe because of, of economic differences, but there were natural boundaries without really saying so. Is that, again, it, it could have been a river, it could have been a mountain range, because you were dealing <laughs> yeah, with... Yeah, no one's going to want to cross that. You were dealing with a much broader area, just like, you know, a diocese now. Uh, our archdiocese is literally the 10 southeastern counties of, of Wisconsin. It used to be the entire lower third of Wisconsin. It used to be all of Wisconsin. <laughs> But just as anything is that as the populations grew, as, um, as cities grew, <clears throat> is that you needed, to, uh, you needed to somehow organize it better to make sure that people's needs were being met. And so, you know, even, for example, when they have an auxiliary bishop of so-and-so diocese, well, many of these things, like a parish, many of these dioceses, like a parish, existed years ago, but now they only exist on paper, is that because once it's created, it's never, you know, kind of erased. It always exists, if nothing else, on paper. Similar to, you know, a parish, is that a parish, even though it may be closed, it will always exist on paper, so that when a person is going back for sacramental life or whatever, is that they are able to say to the archivist, let's say, of the diocese, is that I was baptized at St. whatever. Well, that parish may have been closed 40, 50 years ago. Is that when you think about, even for example, our archdiocese, is that we have, I think, about 191 parishes. When I was first ordained, we had around 220 so parishes have been closed, mm -hmm. always exist on paper so that a person can go back and get those records. The idea of boundaries, so the idea when it comes to boundaries for the church is that literally, theoretically, every square inch of the planet Earth is covered by someone. Is the responsibility of a bishop, of a uh, you know, of a, for a diocese anyway, mm -hmm. of, a, uh, of a pastor that to make sure that the people of a particular area, whatever that might be, it could be, you know, several square blocks or it could be several square miles or it could be a couple of counties or more, is that those people, those folks in a sense, are under the auspices, the responsibility of that particular pastor and on a larger scale of that particular bishop and on an even larger scale then of that conference of bishops on the, on the plant, planetary scale for the whole church. So whether a person is Catholic or not, I am responsible for the people within what makes up the parish called Holy Angels in West Bend. Now, they don't have those listed. The boundaries aren't listed, and, and uh, the Chancery folks didn't get back to me. But, for example, <laughs> on the... Um, Hear that, Chancery yeah, folks? On, uh, for example, at St. Francis Cabrini, mm -hmm. is that they have the boundaries listed on their webpage. 
Oh, really? Of what the boundaries are for St. Francis Cabrini Parish. I thought that, you know, it's interesting to do that again because the idea being is that whoever is under the auspices, it makes sure that, you know, the nursing homes, the hospitals, the facilities for whomever and whatever, that somehow there is somebody pastorally taking care of them. It's one of the values, you know, it's really one of the values of boundaries. Now, generally, you know, those things are organized a little bit differently, but what I find interesting in looking up some of the information is that just recently, for example, in Denver, is that there is a whole study, because of all of the parish combining and closing and merging and all of that, mm -hmm. they're having a complete study, new study, of reforming and shaping the boundaries of all of the parishes in order to reestablish those, in order to make sure, that, again, that people are being met, uh, the pastoral needs of people are being met. So it's not so much for the people, though, right? It's more for if you're ill and you're at a certain hospital and that hospital is within a certain boundary, then they would call... Theoretically, they would church. call this church. Now, again, because of communication as it is, it used to be that... You know, if, if you were, if the hospital were in the boundaries, those parishes in, or I should say, the the parish where that was, is that that would be the parish that would be called. And the expectation was, is that you would serve that hospital. Um, another parish might have a particular nursing home. You would serve that nursing home. So it's it's for, I mean, there's so much mixed up in this hmm. because you're dealing with ethnicity, you're dealing with poverty, you're dealing with, you know, the economics of things, is that there is a lot that's mixed in here when it comes to what boundaries, you know, can or may or may not be used for, let's say. Yeah. And sometimes it's not always as Christian as we would like it, but the idea being is that no matter where you are, there is a pastor who is responsible for your or to help you with your spiritual needs. Now, again, going back, you know, uh, a number of years, these were, uh, for example, with uh, Catholic grade schools, mm -hmm. is that there was, you know, schools that they couldn't take anymore. And, you know, in a sense, and so they had the kids within their boundaries. And then if you were on the wrong side of the street, you had to go to school X. And, and there was so no weird. negotiating. There was no negotiation with this. Uh, so there are lots of, for example, when I was in Kenosha, they had the um, uh, parish of St. Thomas Aquinas. St. Thomas Aquinas didn't have geographical boundaries. It was an ethnic boundary. They were an Irish parish. So anybody with Irish background could go to that parish. And so when... You know, St. Thomas Aquinas was eventually closed or merged with a couple of other parishes. What we had to do is we had to look and say, do the boundaries need to be changed here? Because their boundary was literally, you know, from the lake to Interstate 94, from the Illinois, boundary, Illinois border, border until uh, Racine County. You know, that mm -hmm. was, but anybody who was Irish could go to that parish. And if you weren't, you couldn't go? You're exactly right. You had to be of Irish descent. 
And so, but again, that's not as unusual as you might think because you had the Slovaks, mm -hmm. you had the Italians, you had the Germans, you had, you know, you name it, we had it. There were 14 parishes within the city of Kenosha. Each of them had their own ethnic, many of them had their own ethnic background. But over time, they were given geographic boundaries where even though you, if you were German and you were in the boundaries of St. Mary's, let's say in Kenosha, um, you could go to St. Mary's or if you were Irish or whatever, is that over time, the geographic boundary became more important than necessarily the ethnic boundary. However, when you think about it, is that people of various backgrounds would settle in one particular area because that's where they felt most comfortable. Mm -hmm. Whether with the food, the clothing, the dress, whatever it might be, is that if you were Italian, you had a particular area, German, a particular area. And the restaurants would oftentimes show that. But boundaries, again, became more and more important over time because they had to organize it to make sure. Because then the politics comes in. Gosh, do we want to have to take that hospital? Do we want to have to take that nursing home? Do we want, you know, so much came into play that over time the boundaries became more and more important just for organization and to make sure that those, let's say, let's say a little less desirable sections that they would be also take care of things. Now, even the boundaries sometimes are not as much geographical and they still have, for example, like the military, you know, archdiocese, where if you are in the military, any branch in the military, is that pretty much it's the military archdiocese that takes care of you, whether you are in Wisconsin, you know, Colorado, wherever you might be, if you're in the branch of service, is that for a lot of those folks, it's the military that takes care of you. Mm -hmm. But so they have, in a sense, their own boundaries, per se, in order to address those needs and in order to address just some of the circumstances that surround military life. You're dealing with a very transient uh, population. You're dealing with oftentimes people who, you know, um, have not had sacraments or marriages or whatever it might be. And so rather than trying to become part of a local parish and all that that's part of it and to follow all of their rules and regulations, you're simply kind of, you know, seen as part of the group of the military and they apply the rules and regulations of the military are applied under each different one's circumstances. Which we'll have to talk to Deacon Dave sometime because I think he was brought into the church in the military. In the military, that is correct. So. And and he talks a bit about that, of, of what that meant for him and, uh, you know, how that was part of his spiritual life. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's interesting of how when you look at some of these things that in some ways can be very archaic, perceived that way, mm -hmm. is that there really was a value there that 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 met the needs of a lot of people and met the pastoral and ministerial needs of people. And it's it's looking at that and saying, oh, what do we do with that now? As I mentioned, you know, in in, um, in Colorado is that, I believe, the Denver Diocese, you know, re-looking, re-examining that whole thing. And the concern always is, is 
what do you hope to gain? And I believe they hope to gain some things, but what do you hope to gain? Um, because, as I mentioned, since about the 80s, we really haven't dealt with that much. And, and, and there are pros and cons to that. Um, we were, Lindsay and I were, for the folks who are listening, <laughs> Lindsay and I were having a conversation uh, with a couple of others uh, a short time ago, and we were talking a little bit about that, that said if you're going to have boundaries, you're going to hold them to that, is that then you better make sure that you are offering a quality product because people are going to now are, are very transient in many ways, mm-hmm. and they're going to go where where they feel fed, where they feel nurtured. Um, I remember that when, when I was in Waukesha working with the four parishes, we had a scatter plot of the four parishes. Where did people come from? And I would venture to say, and I, I, I would venture to say <laughs> that 50% at least, 50% of the people probably passed two of the churches of the four to get to the church where they would pray regularly is that people will go where they feel fed and nurtured. Mm -hmm. People will go where they feel comfortable, part of a community. People, uh, you know, that's a big change because, again, as I mentioned, is that you have places where they are married and buried and confirmed and baptized and all of those marvelous moments in a person's faith life. Mm -hmm. It's hard to leave that. And when you are relatively close to that within a few miles is that you know it's easy to to pass by those two other churches not because they're bad simply because you're not as familiar with them Uh, so it's easy the other thing is is that one of the things that that boundaries can help with at times is to really help with building a sense of community because one of the things that the church found in a sense was is that once you, that loyalty, you know, people came from the suburbs and came to the uh, city of Milwaukee because, you know, St. Rose is where they, where they grew up or St. Michael's or, or whatever saint they mm-hmm. were working with, is that once those people die and get to an age where they can no longer make that journey, who's taking their place? Because if a parish hasn't reached out to their immediate neighborhood, if the parish hasn't reached out to those people that are living in that area or organizations or facilities, then once those people die, who's filling that gap? And so it can be, it can be a real detriment sometimes when a, uh, a parish, you know, depends on that, that, um, you know, group of people that have always done the fish fry, always done the <laughs> festival, always done bingo, always done. What happens when they're in a nursing home? What happens when they move away? Because their children aren't coming either, you know, because there's no loyalty there. Their children, because, you know, they've been traveling. Well, there's no connectedness, for example, with classmates or all of those people, you know, with uh, from grade school or high school or whatever. Uh, I think about, for example, West Bend is obviously a little bit of a different circumstance, but still is that when you hear people talk when you're in the parish after masses and such, and you hear t- people talk about, you know, well, 
my grandma went to Holy Angels. Mm -hmm. Well, my great-grandma went to Holy Angels. My great-great-grandpa went to Holy Angels. And that might saying, be pushing it a little it bit. Might but. Be, <laughs> but boy, I tell you, it's getting close as people live longer. True. You know, and you look at that and saying, wow, this is a community that has been close-knit for generations. Mm -hmm. Um and people will move away for a while, but many of them coming back. But when they don't, you know, who fills the gap if we're not reaching out to those people in our immediate area? Who, who is filling that gap, whether they're Catholic or not? What about the neighborhood when it used to be where people would walk across the street and come to school? What about the neighborhood? Oh, I did that. Yeah, yes, I know. <laughs> what about the neighborhood when they would walk maybe just a few blocks? If those loyalties and such aren't being built, then those people who could walk a few blocks to Holy Angels could just as easily drive a mile in each direction and be part of another church. Mm -hmm. And we would have no idea who they even are. So there are pros and cons, you know, and, and do I, would I want to go to the strict aspect of, of boundaries? No, I, w I wouldn't want to do that because, the, you know, people were hurt. Um, people felt a real strong sense of rejection, uh, particularly when it was someone who literally, you know, and I know circumstances where they were literally across the street within a couple of blocks of the church, but they had to go a mile away because they were in another parish boundaries. That's taking it to an extreme, in my, in my view. Mm -hmm. um, although technically, like I said, all parishes do have, uh, do have of, of boundaries. And, um, and I, have, uh, I just have yet to see what those are for, um, for holy angels. Um, <clears throat> so when you think about those, Lindsay, from an administrative point of view, mm -hmm. they're actually very valuable yeah. because it's easy to organize. No question about that. It can help with, you know, where are the hospitals, where are the nursing homes, where are the religious institutes. Um, and so do we encourage people to, uh, you know, to attend a, a parish within the geographic boundary? Yeah, we do. But then I have to make sure as a pastor that I am offering, you might say, food for the soul. I, as a pastor, have to help make sure that there is a great sense of hospitality here. I, as a pastor, have to make sure that I am tending to the needs of grandma and grandpa and grandchildren and mom and dad and, and whoever else might be, um, might be there. Without some, you know, parish, no, with no parish boundaries, I should say. It can really um, fit into or feed into, uh, you might say, a practice of, of parish hopping. You know, just not belonging any place because then there's, there's no commitment to anything or to anyone. There's no commitment whether it's donating time, talent, or treasure. There is no commitment to the people of that, of that particular area. There's no commitment to the, the ministries. We just go where it's a convenient time. We just go where 
it's convenient to go or it fits my schedule. That's nice. However, can you imagine anyone playing, you know, a sport or a team sport or whatever and saying, well, I may or may not be here depending upon whether the practice fits my schedule. And they would be shown the door very quickly. <laughs> Again, not to be absolutist, but I do believe Let's say in, in you know again in the area where West Bend where there is where, where the churches are really relatively close yeah um, is to look around at the parishes that you have as options go to them several times not just once several times the music could have a bad day the ushers could have a bad day the one who's preaching could have a really <laughs> bad day you know sometimes you're just off. And there are times when, when I feel that I'm really on when it comes to preaching. And there are times when I think I walk away and saying, what a bunch of baloney I just fed these people. <laughs> and I go back and do my homily all over for the next one. I've witnessed that <laughs> yeah, when yes. it's changed if I'm at a couple masses. Uh, is that uh, go up several times, see if you feel at home. You're not going to feel at home at every place. And it's not that it has to be all comfy, cozy, and pink bunny rabbits. It's, it's recognizing that you feel that you can belong, that, that people are welcoming you in. Uh, in many ways, our Protestant brothers and sisters do very a lot better at that than, than we do. And we have a lot to learn from them. But if after a couple, a few times, you know, you say, yeah, I think I could really find myself at home here, then stay there for a while. You know, really put it on. Get to know some of the folks. Get to know the people. You know, we're creatures of habit, so you're probably going to sit in most likely the same area of the church. Maybe not right now. Right, Not but, right now, exactly. Yes. But I know in one of the previous churches, I labeled this wedge of the church as past the baby section. <laughs> because... I want to sit in that section. <laughs> because what happened is that you had a number of senior couples that were always in that section. And you had a number of families that had just had, you know, either recent babies or very small children. You would look over in that section and you never quite knew who was holding the baby. <laughs> for whom. And sometimes you would have those seniors, they would be coming up to communion. And that little newborn would be in the arms of a grandmotherly person. And I knew it wasn't their grandchild. <laughs> you know, but that's how they got to know each other. They knew that, one, their children were safe. Mm -hmm. They knew that they were, they were comfortable. People were comfortable. The senior folks knew what it was like to be new parents. And, and when you got squiggly little ones and, and you got two-year-olds and all of that stuff, been there, done that. And they wanted to make every effort possible to, you know, to have that young couple feel at home. And the kids knew it, too, you know, when they would crawl under the pew and show up two pews back, you know, in somebody else's arms. It was marvelous to see. That's when you start to, you know, you feel at home. Stay there then, but invest yourself in the ministry and stuff like that. And maybe, maybe is that that won't be the fit. And then you go, but try it out so that you and then stay there. Make it your home place. Make it the base. Will it always be perfect? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But make it yours. And, and, and that becomes more of a, 
a parish boundary that says, I am here because I feel at home here, I feel invested here, I experience the grace, the power, and the presence of God here. And you make it home, and in a sense, that becomes your boundary, as opposed to strictly a street address. And, and because, again, parish hopping can be a, a real danger. Then there are the other, can, other things like, you know, you're just following a particular priest. Never a wise idea. I don't care how good somebody thinks I am. Never a good idea to follow me just because I'm me. I can get run over by a bus. Now what do you do? Stop going to church? I can have all sorts of things in my own life take place that can put me in a bad space. And I'm not as good as I can necessarily be. It's never wise to follow a priest just because you like him. Like the guy. Let him be a friend if you want him to be a friend. But the church is bigger than just one priest. And the thing is, is that the theological approaches are bigger than just one priest. No priest. I don't care who they are. I don't think how, how holy they think they are. I don't think they, I don't care if they think they're the next best person since Jesus himself. Oof. No priest, no bishop, no pope has got all the answers and has all the insights. It is amazing at times where, and I don't take this, you know, personally, uh, now anyway, probably I did in the beginning because, you know, your, your ego gets in the way, is that a person hears another priest preach, you know, and, and, and they say, wow, I have never been moved like that before. Great! I'm glad that that person could move you by the Spirit speaking through him. There are guys that I enjoy hearing as preachers more than I necessarily like myself. Is that, is that if you become, if you become so attached to one priest, it's like only watching the same channel on TV, or it's like only having one place you go for media and social media. And we all know how dangerous <laughs> that can be. Same thing with preaching. Sometimes I'm on, sometimes I'm not. It's important that we hear, it's important for us spiritually, that we hear what other preachers have to offer. I mean, I, I like the idea of making a parish your own because I always picture it and like to say that it's just every weekend's a big family gathering, yes. a family party. <laughs> I mean, you have readings you listen to stories from the history of your family you have a meal together you I, talk to each other you know very very much so Lindsay. and and like all families too we don't always like our family members sometimes they're a real pain in the butt true true you, you know um and sometimes they're a little quirky um, it's all there when it comes to parish family it's one of the reasons you know that 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 we have that sense of family element when it comes to celebrating the Eucharist. It's a, it's a meal of thanksgiving, you might say. And in all of that, in the messiness and the grace of all of that, just like our own families, is that somehow we experience the presence of God. And so when it comes to boundaries, and, they, and like I said, they can come in different shapes and forms. There is a value there. As long as it's not taken to such an extreme to where we disregard the spiritual life of a person or the needs of a person 
in order for people to really, you know, to come to experience that grace and that power of the Lord. Um, it's, um, you know, sometimes too is where where it can backfire on us is you have those people that have always done things, you know, a particular way, and yet they are totally oblivious to the ethnicity, language, all sorts of other changes that are taking place. And by God, they're still having that spaghetti dinner because that's what they always did when this was an Italian parish. Great. But let's make sure that it's meeting more than the needs of just the Italian community that was there 30, 40, or 50 years ago. That it's meeting the needs of all of those marvelous people that are in their neighborhood and saying, you know what, we need to, we need to kind of change our game here a bit because this is not a primarily fill-in-the-blank parish anymore. Mm -hmm. This parish has grown, stretched, whatever, in all sorts of ways. And to see the grace and the beauty in all of that. Doesn't mean the person has to move either. That somehow I have to leave this parish now because of. It means that the parish has to simply grow. And boundaries can help us do that. Um, it, it sounds like, you know, I'm all for boundaries. <laughs> Not really. Because, Not physical boundaries. Yeah, as much as, you know, being able to recognize the need and the value of, of what this parish or what this yeah what this parish can be for people in the area in the neighborhood to make sure it's truly serving those needs and it's not simply trying to serve needs of people who live 40 50 miles away just don't know enough maybe to 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 be at home someplace else well and now enter the snafu of a virtual boundary like yes there's no way you can put a boundary on virtual people are watching and finding their feeding their needs where they can find it. You're right. And what we're finding, you know, as we've talked about also because you're involved with us so much, is that there is this whole virtual community that joins us on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And people that I know um, that have communicated with us from Virginia, Arizona, Indiana, Illinois, uh, different parts of the state of Wisconsin, you know, I think there people, is an Alaska ones. I believe so. But people, I have no clue who they are. But what they're saying is, we are so glad that you're here because we find that the message, the music, the sense of welcome, um, that this really is speaking to our hearts and to our minds, uh, to our very souls, then great, wonderful um can't put a boundary on that. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you, you really can't. It's just in a way. I struggle with that sometimes because I believe that when it comes to a faith family and, and, and those things, is that, you know, a computer screen just doesn't do it. Somehow there needs to be that community. Now, and I believe people are finding that in different ways. Um, and, I, and I really believe that as a church, we have to address that more. Uh, we, I, I do not believe we can simply say, you know, you have to be here because you live here, whatever. And saying people are finding a sense of community in lots of ways. Mm -hmm. um, and virtually is one of those ways that I believe is really developing. And we need, we need to recognize that and we need to, 
we need to grow in our ability to saying how do we help people to discover some a different way of those boundaries. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, it, it's like I said, it's not talked a whole lot about a lot, but it's it's beginning to raise its head, you might say, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with the church over time to see how we begin to deal with that. Like I said, you know, there there can be a value, but I would certainly hope that in, it would not have the same rigid, rigidness as it did in the past. I would hope that we are beyond some of that. Uh, I really do. Um, is that it can be a value, um, but like anything, too much of any, even a good thing, you know, can can cause harm. Well, it's so funny because as you're talking, though, I, boundaries seem so foreign because just the idea of a church boundary, I've never really grown up with that. But then it's really no different, I was thinking, as a school district or voting district or anything like that. Like, I guess there's boundaries everywhere. There really are, you know, and and for lots of different reasons. Sometimes to protect ourselves, sometimes because of politics, sometimes the economy, sometimes it's just interests. But you're right, we have boundaries of all sorts, and and we we don't like to necessarily use that kind of, quote, secular term Mm -hmm. for our church. Uh, However, like I said, you know, over time and throughout our history, it has really made a difference. And it has has a negative side, but it also has had a very positive side. And, And sometimes we need to rediscover that because it could for a church, for example, a parish, saying we have been so attentive to all of those people way out there that we have not once gone to the people across the street and said, Hi, how are you? I am Father So-and-so. Um, just want to introduce myself because I'm the new pastor. And do you have a church that you go to? Yeah, I go to, uh, you know, to the Lutheran church down the street or the Episcopal church because we have those right down, down the, the street. street. Yeah. <laughs> or, no, I don't. Well, I want you to know that that you are always welcome. And what's interesting is that um, some of the uh, senior priests now will tell you the stories that when they were assigned uh, as new associate pastors to a a, a parish, one of their first tasks that their pastor would have them do was to go to every household, house in that boundary. They would have to do this within a certain time. They would have to go to every house introduce themselves, and invite them to come to church. Wow. There's something to be said for that. There's a lot to be said. Yeah, a lot to be said for that. You know, and and again, I I know pastors, and being a part of a group that um, of of pastors of various backgrounds, they they will express still, you know, gosh, you know, now their congregations are a lot smaller. But still, they said, you know, uh, this past year I visited 50% of my parish houses. And, and what that does. Well, of course, of course what it does. Um, it creates that sense of, of, of belonging. And sometimes, even today, we need to be better at that. We need to be better at that. Of, of at times, you know, knowing somebody across the city, but not knowing the person who's on the other side of the fence. And the missed opportunities of that. So sometimes there's a there's a grace in all of that. So. Sounds like a good job for the deacons. 
for the deacons or, or for the pastoral associates or for, <laughs> um, for whomever. Yes, yes. But boundaries. Boundaries. So. All right. Well, I think we're going to leave our conversation there. That's a interesting conversation. And boundaries are, I don't know, I just find them interesting. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. If you want to reach out to us, you can get us on email at holyangelswb at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the this episode or our podcast, or if you have ideas for us, let us know. Um, and we will see you next time. Amen. Bye.